Welcome to the United Church Podcast. We're a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love and walking in the ways of Jesus. We're striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you're encouraged and challenged by this week's homily. May the peace of Christ be with you. There are only a couple of Easter's that I truly remember in my life. The first was the Easter that I was baptized. And the second was our first Easter as a family of three. But this Easter? This Easter will certainly be one I will never forget. The Easter of quarantine. There has always been a constant for me on Easter Sunday, a thread that continues no matter where I am or who I am with. It's it's a simple call and response refrain where someone yells out, He is risen! And the entire crowd responds in unison. He is risen indeed. And so this morning, despite our social distance, despite our quarantine, I thought we could keep this constant going. That we could continue this beautiful tradition, declaring in unison the the risen Christ, even through the tubes of the internet. So I'll say, he is risen, and, and you just shout back at the TV, He is risen indeed. All right. You ready to give this a shot? All right. He is risen. (laughs) Well, all right then. (laughs) This is awesome. Let's 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 do it again. He is risen. (laughs) I love it. This This mysterious truth is why we gather as a church. This is why we gather every single Sunday, even online. We gather to declare this one mysterious truth, to be the embodiment of this beautiful new reality that that he who was dead is now alive, that Jesus has conquered death. He has overcome the grave and that he is risen. (laughs) I love it. This is so good. (laughs) We're sitting in an unprecedented season. But let us also acknowledge and take comfort in knowing that this is only a season. And while we may not quite have a determined end date, while we may not see or even have a glimpse of the end in sight, and and even now as news reports continue to swirl and and scientific studies suggest that our stay-at-home order could be extended beyond May 4th, we can be certain that this will end at some point. This is a temporary existence, a a, a temporary struggle, a, a moment in time, a season, one that we will never forget. And so here on Easter Sunday, we sit in this strange space of celebrating the resurrection, celebrating new life and possibilities, of celebrating hope, and and yet we sit in this almost unbearable tension of quarantine and separation, of grief and sorrow, of loss, of weariness. And we wonder, what does the resurrection have to do with our current situation? How does the resurrection speak into our current reality? The story is rather remarkable, though, isn't it? 
Uh, all week long on Facebook and Instagram, Talissa and Trevor have been leading our community through the different passages of Holy Week, the seven days that lead up to Jesus's crucifixion, telling us the stories of Jesus's miracles and teachings, the Last Supper, his betrayal in the garden by a friend, his mockery and his trial, his torture and unjust execution, the silence and the darkness of Holy Saturday. And we wonder, what does resurrection have to do with our current situation? How does the resurrection speak into our current reality? I, I've been sitting with these questions for weeks now, knowing that this, this online format was more than likely going to be our reality for Easter, but not yet quite knowing just how difficult this quarantine was going to be on us all. I've been... I've been holding this tension between faith and doubt, a, a needle-thin thread that, that oftentimes can just feel so perilous and tenuous. I've been holding the tension of hope and despair, the emotional back and forth of possibility and futility. And it's exhausting, isn't it? To feel thrown back and forth like that, to find yourself constantly on this, this pendulum swing, completely exasperated and weary. I, I have to believe that some of what we're experiencing and feeling is exactly what the disciples were feeling in the wake of Jesus' execution. You see, after scattering the night of Jesus' of his arrest and, and hiding out during his crucifixion, they, they all came back together in a home, quarantined from the rest of the world, hiding in fear behind locked doors, fearful that as followers of Jesus, their execution could be next, huddled through the night, wondering, listening, exhausted and exasperated, grieving, grieving the loss of their friend, but, but more so grieving the loss of everything they had placed their hope in, their, their entire life in. You see, they had become true believers to a movement of life, a movement that they had participated in, not only watching people being healed and, and find wholeness, but they themselves being sent out to bring healing and wholeness to the towns and villages throughout the land. And, and now, as enemies of the state, they huddled together knowing that if they showed their faces to the world, not only would they be marked as wanted people, but shamed so full of shame for believing so deeply and fully in a tragically failed hope. And here they sat in unbelievable and overwhelming despair and hopelessness. And while the disciples were the most conspicuous, the most known, they, they weren't alone in this. Others had begun their journeys home as well, walking the roads together, dejected and grieving the loss of the one they thought would change the world the one that they thought was going to bring new life and peace, a, a, a new reality of wholeness, true wholeness. But it was over. Jesus was dead. And they walked the streets aimlessly, wondering how they got there, wondering how all of this happened. Now, I, I know none of this resonates with us right now in this season, right? We've never watched our entire world unravel before us in a succession of moments. But even that Easter morning, 
the news grew even more disheartening, even more wrenching. Mary Magdalene, Joanne, mother, uh, Mary, the mother of James, and, and other women made their way to the tomb where the body of Jesus was, was waiting to be prepared for its eternal rest. And when they discovered the stone that covered the entrance to the tomb had been rolled back and the body of Jesus was missing, and they wept bitter tears of heartache and pain. Even now, after all of this, after all they had gone through, are they not allowed to even sit and grieve their loss? Not allowed to experience a proper funeral? They rushed back to tell the 11 disciples who were locked away in fear. And upon hearing this thievery, Peter, James, John, the others all sprinted to the tomb, filled with confusion and anger, pain, grief, a myriad of emotional complexity, only to find exactly what Mary had said. The strips of linen used to wrap the body of Jesus laying in a pile, and they believed her. Not that Jesus had risen, but, but that his body had been stolen. Grief piled upon grief, anger mixing with anger, sorrow upon sorrow, confusion upon confusion, and together. I can just imagine them wrapping their arms round one another and letting out excruciating wails of immeasurable pain. Their best friend's body stolen, closure slipping away, and then draping their arms around one another, heads hung low, walking back to where they had been staying. And as Mary stayed behind, staring at the tomb in disbelief, in agony, peeking inside to confirm what she was experiencing, she cried out in anguish, They have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. And thinking that she was talking to a gardener, a tender of the cemetery, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Can you hear her, please? Her, her cries of despair? I find it strangely comforting in this season, knowing that, that even on Easter morning, there were tears of grief and agony and despair. That even this morning, in this space, it's okay to feel the questions of our current moment of uncertainty. Too often, we are too quick to pass through the pain in search of joy, which is completely understandable. No one wants to experience pain and suffering. No one, no one willingly sits in this space. But we are so often thrust into it, often without warning or preparation, and yet we need that space to venture into that space deeply. And it's here in this space that something beautiful happens. And in all honesty, I think this is one of my favorite moments in all of Scripture, that, that as Mary sits in her grief, as she pours out bitter tears of pain and agony, of loss and confusion, even anger, the gardener, or, or who she thinks is the gardener, says one word that changes everything. Mary. He says her name. And everything changed. Standing before her wasn't the gardener. It was Jesus himself 
saying her name. And right now, in, in this Easter moment, this, this space between uncertainty and resurrection, Jesus is, he's standing before us saying your name too. Christy, Jennifer, Kirsten, Blake, Talissa, Jill, Sarah, Tommy, Robert, Jeff, Anne, Dave, Violet, Andrea, Michael, Andy, Aaron. He's saying your name. He's saying your name here in this moment and, and reminding us that, that through it all, he is here. He is present. That as everything around us looks completely and hopelessly lost, that, that as our doors remain locked with us hidden inside, and, and as the pain and grief of a world separated from one another, as, as death rages around us, one person every 47 seconds from this pandemic in the United States the other day, the resurrected Jesus stands before us calling your name, Showing us that death will not win the day. Fear will not end. Will not win in the end. That life is bursting forth all around us. This is the beauty and mystery of the resurrection. This is the magnificence of the new life that we get to enter into together. He's saying your name. And I wonder, how will you respond? This morning, Nicole responded to the call of Jesus by entering into the waters of baptism, entering into the mystery of the resurrection, and into the new life that Jesus freely offers. Is that not beautiful? Is that not the perfect response to bring life in the wake of death? And he's calling your name too. And to step into life in the wake of death. Jesus invites us, come birth a new world with me, a, a world of hope and peace, a world of joy and life, of wholeness and of love. And, and Jesus is calling us to resist to resist the world of death and destruction, to create something beautiful and new, something that can only be made possible through his resurrection. You see, I, I truly believe that resistance is the protest of those who hope. And hope is the feast of the people who resist. And this week, we've been feasting on hope together as a community with these small acts of resistance, pushing against the tide, the onslaught that seeks to overwhelm and destroy. Together, we have continued our sacred work as a resurrection people. 
And this week was filled with those moments as I, I found myself bouncing around from place to place to help facilitate your amazing generosity. We, we've continued to feed the 55 plus at Safe Harbor every single week, not, not only with meals, but with small messages of hope scrawled atop the single serving meals you've been preparing every Thursday. Or Joanne, who has been hard at work this week all by herself, preparing an Easter meal for every person in her building that is struggling with loneliness and anxiety, financially strained or just exhausted. I've been picking up gift cards from you all and, and redistributing them to people in need, people who have said, I, I, I didn't even know Christians actually cared about me. Picking up bags of groceries filled with so much love and goodness and, and then delivering them anonymously at people's doorsteps. I even got to practice my terrible, terrible Spanish with one family as I delivered bags overflowing. Tengo comida para tu familia. Dios bendiga. <laughs> I've heard a few of you who are secure in your employment talking and strategizing about the best way to redistribute your stimulus check whenever it arrives to those who have lost jobs, those who are economically distressed, those who are teetering on the edge of despair. This is a part of what it means to be an Easter people. We are standing together, rising up and declaring that death has not won. Death will not have the last word. Death has been defeated and life is springing up all around us that in the midst of the darkness, the light of Christ is winning and love is possible. Love is being woven through the torn garments of our society all because of Jesus. Do you hear him calling your name? As Jesus met the rest of the disciples behind their locked doors, as, as they saw the new world he was ushering in, they ventured out into the world, moving throughout the land, spreading this hope wherever they went. They spoke of the love of Christ, and they engaged in the love of Christ, weaving it through the torn garments of society. This week, as an Easter people, we inspired one another and others outside of our church community to participate in this new reality. In fact, our adopted restaurant was so inspired by you and this generosity that they not only prepared and gave an Easter meal to a family in need in our neighborhood this morning, but they baked and donated over 100 cinnamon rolls to UW Medical Center this weekend. And this is what we are called to continue to spread the hope and the love of Christ, revealing the rule and reign of Christ here and now, a new and glorious way of living and being, a way that is surrounded and captivated by the love of Jesus in our midst and, and enjoying a front row seat as others catch that vision as well, aligning themselves with the resurrected Christ. Do you hear him calling your name? Will you step forward into this new reality? Will you give yourself to him and, and join the chorus of love that is birthing a new creation all around us, even in the midst of the darkness? 
Jesus, may we weave the thread of love throughout the torn garments of our society. May we reveal the goodness and the beauty of your resurrection wherever we may be and wherever we may go. May we help turn tears to joy, heal the pain of uncertainty and doubt, and bring hope anew. May we show you the resurrected you to the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us at 1316 Third Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.